Well, hello, hello, hello. We're back with another episode of Strategy and the Virtual Controller. My name is Damien Greathead. I'm sitting here on a sunny Sydney morning. Uh, Penny Breslin's my co-host and she is sitting in uh, afternoon San Diego. What's the weather like outside your window, Penny? It's it's kind of like uh, cloudy and hazy and uh, looks like it could rain and I wish it would and uh, I kind of like it. <laughs> Fantastic. It's fall. <laughs> it's fall. Okay. Yeah. We're, we're, whereas it's spring here. And so we're heading into summer and starting to warm up quite significantly. Um, strategy in the virtual controller, folks. Our website is satvc.co. Head over there to download any articles that we reference, any books that we reference, catch up on previous episodes, but you can also find those on your favorite podcasting platforms. Uh, Also, if you do have any questions or comments that you want to send to Penny or myself, you can find us on LinkedIn and uh, drop us a message, connect with us there as well. Right, today, Penny, um, we're going to continue the pricing conversation, aren't we? Because we we started with the billable hour and where it makes sense and and why the billable hour is not dead. We also talked about the value of timesheets in previous episodes. So folks, you don't necessarily have to listen to the previous episodes before you take uh, um, before you enjoy this one, but definitely go back and have a listen to the other episodes on pricing so that you get the full spectrum that we've been talking about. So we started with the billable hour and where it makes sense, timesheets, why they make sense, Uh, Then we moved on to flat pricing, fixed pricing. Uh, And I think we can probably kick things off with a bit of a recap on fixed pricing before we go to the other end of the spectrum, which is uh, the added value and value pricing. So Penny, why don't we start with a reminder on what is the flat rate and how do we go about calculating that? Just a quick recap. Okay. Um, So... Flat rate, as we discussed in a, in a prior uh, episode, was that's kind of compliance. That rate is pretty much driven by the market. Um, you know, you've got to compete with the other tax accountants in your area. You've got to complete compete with large ta- larger tax firms. You've got on a bookkeeping level, you've got to you've got to compete with other bookkeeping companies in your area. Um, and you've got to also compete with people who are competing on building their own bench pilot, you know, QuickBooks live. Uh, those are all competitors who you have to differentiate yourself. Um, you're, 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 but you're, you're pretty much your pricing is based on those comp competitors out there. Those, those compliance items that people have to do and that everybody wants to pay the lowest rate for and people, the only value they have in it is it's compliance and it's required. Now, I, I just sort of jump in there, Penny, and say you don't have to be the cheapest in town, but you do need to be aware of what the other price in town as well. So um, definitely get onto other companies' websites, put in a couple of calls to the local, uh, to the competitors to find out how they are pricing, how they are charging. Um, and you don't have to be the cheapest in town, but you do, even at that compliance level, need to be able to differentiate yourself. And, and, and that could be in things like, uh, the level of service, the response time, the uh, the experience uh, that you provide to your clients. So um, that that would just be my only caveat is don't think that it's compliant. So you have to be the cheapest in town, but you do need to work hard uh, on that client service level to differentiate yourself, don't you? 
Yeah, absolutely. And I think that if you if you if you make a promise to do something to somebody and you say, look, it, I'm a little bit more money because I actually will get this done and you're going to have this this kind of relationship with us. Um, it, it, you, you can you can if you can justify that extra, which, you know, that extra is actually just having the relationship. Um, yeah, and also it's—I I hate to say it—but it's it's a pretty low bar sometimes, isn't it, from a client service and a relationship level, isn't it? Yeah, and I don't think it's lack of ability or lack of desire. I think that sometimes people take off more than they can chew. They buy yeah, them. that's right. And 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 so I think volume is better rather than, and that's where you get the value added. When if you if you don't choose to go the volume method, there's nothing wrong with doing tons of repetitive, um, really fixed, defined work. And if that's what you like to do, my goodness, just go for it. Um, and then, you know, have a relationship with somebody who perhaps doesn't want to do that repetitive, um, ongoing over and over and over, um, really not interacting with the customer or the client very much. There are people out there that don't want to do that. And then there are people out there that do. And, and that goes then, back to sort of what we discussed, uh, sort of episodes two and three of really deciding what you be, what you want to be when you grow up and being very clear about it because you can't be everything to everyone. So if you if you want to be a, a, a scalable, high-volume bookkeeping business for restaurants, fantastic, but you can't be everything else. Right. Let's go. So yeah, so when you when you you get the compliance stuff done, you do it. Nothing wrong with just doing that. If you're a big enough uh, company and you want to, or a big a big enough business where you have people within your firm that can do that part of it, and you have other people that can do the advisory. Now you got to decide what it is that you like that you want to advise on. Um, if it it's taxes. I think most of the people, especially in this industry, it's always the, the in the back of the head. It's we're going to advise them on how to save money on taxes, um, and uh, you don't just do that once a year. Uh, there are the, the, it's the the value added is when you can count on really good numbers, and you have a relationship with the client, and you can go in and you can say, "Look, it. I can see three months into this year that you know." There's things that we can start doing now. Because if you're a tax specialist, you're really paying attention to the tax code. You can see things coming down the pike. You know the potential of what may or may not happen much better than the average business owner does. Um, and so there is an opportunity to do value added in those things throughout the year. There are, com there are certain compliance. Um, we used to have this map that... Uh, you put on your wall that had dates on it that here are the different compliance dates related to tax um, that you could discuss with your clients at least five times during the year. And, um, and in within, it, as long as you know you've got clean accounting, you've got clean information about the client, you can have those discussions. And if that's what you want to do is tax. If the other thing is you want to do is as a CFO, um, one of the things is when we were talking to uh, Brian and Mike Chana back in Austin about 
their, their firm and how they split it up because they both had different interests. But both of them ended up going to work uh, and keeping their little, uh, their little, I shouldn't say little, uh, to keeping their firms as a side hustle and going to work as full-time CFOs for each of them for a startup because that's where they wanted to be. They liked that world. Um, same thing with, uh, well, heck, that's what I do. I've got account, uh, bookkeepers that do accounting and accountants that do all, all that other stuff that do all the background stuff for me that I'm really lousy at. And, and I don't do any like um, tax work ever. Uh, there's always like, if you're going to work with me, um, you, you'll use my bookkeeping team, but you've got to have a CPA because I'm not going to do that part of it. But I then tend to do a lot of the um, execution on startups and then strategic stuff. So um, right now I'm in the middle of helping uh, two startups work on how did they establish policies within this company as the company grows in order to be able to control the money going in and out? Um, the CFO, he'll go, he'll go, okay, thank you for all of that bookkeeping information. Then he goes, now I need to pick your brain. And I go, you know, you're on the clock with me now. And he goes, yeah, okay. So we have, I'm billing time with him. And he'll sit there on a Zoom meeting and he'll go, okay, we've run into this issue. And I go, well, sometimes, and I'll bring it up to him. I said, you know, you're going to have an issue here because I can see this happening with the money right now, or I can see how it's being, items are being miscommunicated. So I do that stuff. I work on the workflows. That's value added to the company. I use the numbers and I use the way the numbers are being input and where the information is coming from, how the money's being received, how it's being sold. I use that information to allow me to do my value added side. My bookkeeping gets, they, they pay my bookkeepers for the bookkeeping and stuff. Um, I get a piece of that action. And, but the, I don't have anything to do with the tax return. Um, but one of, the, one of the things you do do, Penny, and this is actually um, sort of coming back from the previous episode where, where we're talking about how do you build this fixed price and this uh, for, the, for your service level offering. One of the things that you said last episode was you factor in your time for your headspace for you to okay. be able to think strategically about the client to identify value add. Because I, I and, and I don't think a lot of practitioners think about it that way. They just sort of go from client to client to client, but never really give themselves the allowance of time, which is factored into the price, to think strategically about the business. It might be five minutes to have a look at the spreadsheet or to have a look at the reports, or alternatively, it, it could be a good hour or hour and a half to dig into things so that you can then bring that to the client to say, look, I was having a look at the reports and I just wanted to flag this with you. I think it'd be worthwhile scheduling some time to discuss. That's really important, isn't it? To actually factor in and calendarize that time and that space to look at the client and see where you can add value. Yeah, and that, but that's part of my flat rate price. Yes, and process that yeah, you calendarize that time that you that you give yourself and and you get paid for that time. Yeah. Um, and as as I said, it could be five minutes, it could be ninety minutes. It, it, it'll sort of peaks it, and troughs throughout the year. It just yeah. it, it's kind of like it's uh, um, you know what it's prepaid expense amortized. Over the year. <laughs> <laughs> That's the way to do it. Yeah, <laughs> the way to do it. Yeah, uh, it's like you're paying me 
um, whether you use that, I use, utilize that hour or not. Um, sometimes I only use, utilize five minutes and we don't have a discussion. Sometimes I'll, I will utilize the nine, 90 minutes and I'll come back and I'll make one little comment in my discussion with them and they'll go, okay, now I want to pick your brain. And that's and when the clock starts running for my time. Yeah, exactly. And because I, I think what happens is a lot of, um, partners, CPA, et cetera, th there's no such thing as a quick question. So when a client calls in and says, Penny, I've got a quick question, um, our immediate our immediate reaction is to try and answer that quick question and get them off the phone as quickly as possible, provide great quick turnaround service. But if a client calls in and says, Penny, I've got a quick question, that should be a, a red flag for you, shouldn't it? To be like, okay, let me, let's get our calendars out, let's get our diaries out, and let's schedule some time to sit down and understand the, the question um, fully because, A, there's no such thing as a quick question, and, B, I'm in the middle of something else and I want to make sure that I'm able to give you and your question my full attention. But it sends a very quick signal to the client, oh, that this is above and beyond what we traditionally do. Oh, yeah, and I remind them. <laughs> when they ask me to do that, you know, that's not part of what you typically um, would uh, ask somebody to do. And, and I, get, I get back, well, that's why we hired you. <laughs> so, so, I mean, I think you have to, you have to, you have to let them know you can do it. You have to feel comfortable doing it. And you also have to feel comfortable that if it's not something you, you are real familiar with doing all the time, that you do say to them, look at, Here's my calendar, schedule the time with me. And then you go back and you look at the numbers if you only did spend two minutes. Or you double check because maybe your uh, bookkeeping team didn't get everything done so that they are clean. Because I've seen that happen too. Um, but you have to, again, you have to decide if that's really what you want to do. There's, there's nothing wrong with doing just compliance uh, every month. That's a damn healthy business. And it can be a fun business. There's nothing wrong with just saying, look it, I'm going to just keep like about 25, 30 clients. I'm going to keep myself small and I'm going to do a bang up job for them. And I'm going to be uh, a jack of all trades except for this one thing. And so define what it is you want to do. Pick those things that are repeatable. Put a flat rate pricing on them and make that work in a very defined way. Um, and then everything above that, let the client know that this is this is beyond the service level agreement. This is outside the scope of the agreement. You know, you have to keep your scope uh, in place, and then and then bill for that, and um, and and let them know. And the first time they do it, you just say, you know, that this is like off the scope. As soon as you say that to somebody, they know. Yeah. Off the scope. That's a word. That's outside that's of what we originally agreed to. Yeah. Yeah, that's now, not you know that's not typically something that that's not what you asked me to do when you signed on, and yes, I can do it, and we are willing to do it. But you understand it's off the scope, and they say yes, boom, done. Now, one of the it, it would make sense that the next question from the client would be, well, how much will it cost me? So, mm -hmm. what are your thoughts there? Is is it the case of well, it's the first time we've done it, so I'll have to charge you by the hour, or is it in the back of my head? I'm going to 
budget three hours to do this and to do the the research and the meeting etc so that's the way i come with my price what's your what's your advice to to answering that question how much is it going to cost me um okay this is this is a depends question yeah <laughs> um, it depends on how familiar you are with what yeah. they ask you yeah. to do I mean, I, I, one time, and I'm not, I'm not tooting my own horn here. I'm probably actually uh, aging the hell out of myself. But one time I was sitting in an office in Boston in an accounting firm, and uh, somebody was sitting next to me, and they were being asked something by a client, uh, and it, he was on the phone next to me and they put me next to him on purpose, I think. And he put his hand over the receiver and he goes, can I put this on speaker? Can you listen to this? So he had the guy re-ask the question. And I raised my finger and it's mute. And, and I said, this is the answer. And he, go, he looked and he goes, how come you can do that? He goes, how'd you learn all that? And I said, honey. And at that time I was 50. I said, I'm, I'm, I'm 15 years older than you. I think I've seen <laughs> I mean, I mean, it's not like the first time you heard the question. Yeah. So, I mean, there, there are so many times when you, you think you're afraid that you, they're going to, you've heard it before. You know in the back of your mind how long it's going to take to do something. If it is something that you have not done before, and if it is something that needs a little research, it, you can, because you have this relationship and you have an understanding of their books, you can say to them, you know something, that's a really good question. And um, I do have the capacity to go research that for you. You realize that that's off the scope of what we're doing, and I am going to have to bill you for that. Um, I'm going to have to bill you for the discovery, and I am going to have to bill you for helping you implement the answer should you want that. I like that, and 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 I'm going to help you implement the answer if that's if that's what we decide on at the end of that meeting. Recognizing that there's multiple stages on it, I think the other thing as well is you can actually say to the client, "Give me give me the rest of the day to get a price back to you." Yeah, and and I think your client will be more than happy with that as well. Let me. I'm just running off to a meeting. That was one thing that I learned quite early from uh, from one of my mentors. I, I, I'm, I'm running into a meeting. Um, let me give you a call back with, uh, with, with some more details. Uh, and then that, that buys you a couple of hours to, um, to, I did to, that this morning. yeah, to, to yeah, feverishly research and, and they signed it and sent it back. Yeah. Uh, and, and so again, let me get back to you later today, make sure you obviously get back to them later today with, with exactly what it is, but you can buy yourself time for these things. And, and it really does reemphasize the fact that this is outside of scope and this is above and beyond what we've agreed on. And hopefully I've got to give it some thought. So, so this isn't, this isn't the traditional, um, debits and credits type of stuff. This is where I'm really tapping in to your expertise and experience. Um, and so I, I, sh- I should be prepared for a, for a, a a hefty price. Um, you know, I actually you know what happened when I did it this morning, when he responded, he goes, and I've thought about what we talked about too. And he defined even in more detail what he wanted me to accomplish, which made it even better because I gave him space to think about it a little bit too. Yeah. Yeah. So, so, so this is this is a way in which we approach value add 
and how we price those value add services. What are your thoughts about the three tiers of pricing? Because that's that's quite popular in the in the accounting space at the moment, and a lot of the pricing consultants um, will say you've got to offer three three options for the the client. What are your thoughts on those? Fake jabs. Say what? Yeah. It's a loss leader. It's a it's a marketing thing to get them on there and get them paying attention to you, uh, getting them to open the door, and so you have the ability to talk to them. Um, you know, I look at some of those things and I go, okay, how many bank accounts do you have? How many credit card accounts? And this is our base price for reconciliation, basically allocation and reconciliation, and creating a report at the end of the of month. Um, that's you know what that is? That's right up. That's right up. And then you might have a second tier where you're adding in, we'll do some invoicing for you, we'll do some AP work for you, we'll do some expense tracking. Um, and then the third one with KPIs and stuff like that. Nothing wrong with it. Nothing wrong with it if every client does exactly what you want them to do. Yeah. They, they use that restaurant the example. Yeah. Everything moves smoothly. Everything's perfect. Everybody on your team is on the same page. Everybody agrees this is the way it's going to go. And always the caveat in the contract, yes, we'll do it for this price. As long as you follow these steps, you understand that when you don't follow these steps, then the price could possibly change. Yeah, it, it's almost as if I remember that um, that spreadsheet that you have of all of the different things that we can provide yeah. and then basically us putting an X in the column of what we're going to do and what you're going to do mm-hmm. and base level, we're doing some, you're doing the most and then as we go down to the, the upper levels of service, we're doing more of the actual controller function um, and taking care of that but but it, but it still is all very defined, isn't it? It has to be defined if you're going to use the packaging and you're going to use the, and you're going to try to stick to that packaging. It has to be very defined. And everybody that touches it has to be in agreement on that definition. Because otherwise, you're going to get scope creep. And before you, okay, case in point, can I tell a little story? Of course. Okay. So this was quite a few years ago. And I had uh, been hired by a, a company, a bookkeeping company. Um, that said, we want to do this flat rate pricing. We want to get out ahead of the curve, get rid of the timesheets and all that stuff. So we went through all this. And um, and it, I knew, uh, you know, and we worked on it for a couple of months. I worked with her team. It went well. Everything was going well. She was very happy. Fine. Happened to be at an event about a year later, and she was sitting next to me at a table. And, um, we, you know, we got to talk and I said, how did all that work out? You guys were doing gangbusters. Um, have you, you know, did you, did you get to do what you wanted to do? Which in, in her world was to actually build her firm to the point where she could sell it. And she looked at me and she said, no, as soon as you stopped working with us, we went back to our old ways. <laughs> we got soap creep. And she goes, you know what? I kept the same price, but my clients didn't behave in the same way. And my team did not. She goes, I lost two major team players and the new team players weren't trained the same way. And she said, so it it really, really became difficult to manage. 
And then her biggest client offered her a job that was, it was, you know, too big to refuse. Mm. And, but she did say, she goes, you know what? Everything you told us to do when we did it, it worked. When we stopped doing it, the clients started scope creeping. My employees started scope creeping. And the next thing I knew, I wasn't getting paid for what I was putting up. Yeah. And that was the hard part. And it was, it was, you know, she wasn't, she was, she said it was a great learning experience because she took that whole thing and put it into this company that hired her. And she's doing great there doing that. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Again, it's all a learning experience, isn't it? And, um, the, the, the whole premise is where you know you have to be a very difficult taskmaster and like i say i tell people like i don't really do accounting i herd cats a lot but I, I i'm not doing any real accounting because really there's very little space for me to go in there and do debits and credits it's yeah. not like i didn't do it you know well, I, I think it's in everyone's best interest um but <laughs> um but I, I again scope creep is a really important one and again a very simple tool that that sort of checklist of who's doing what bring that out every quarter bring that out at the end of every year um and and go down line by line and make sure that um the client's doing what they agreed to because if if you aren't monitoring that and you aren't monitoring the time um, 12 months can go by very quickly, which completely blows your margin out of the water. But I, I've seen firms do that quite effectively where at least on an annual basis, they bring out that service level agreement uh, or anytime the client asks to do something else, they bring out that service level agreement and said, well, we can, but according to this agreement, the, the, the checkbox is in your column. So we're going to have to move it into our column, which is going to change the price and just becoming comfortable with that conversation, um, is incredibly important a to your margin and and then B to your, to your business model. The thing is when the client asks you to do it, they already know you're going to charge them for it. (laughs) You know, I mean that the best part is when the client brings it up, but the client doesn't always just bring it up because they don't know you can do it. You really have to kind of sell yourself a little bit. Yeah. You do have to let them know that you're capable of doing these things that are outside of a debit and a credit. And, and, and you know something, every, every, I look at CPAs and I can see it in their eyes. They'll look at numbers and you can just see their mind going. I, I look at bookkeeper and I can just see their mind going, oh my God, oh my God. And, and you know that they've seen something that I didn't see in the numbers. And I just, you know, I look at that and go, that's your sweet spot, dude, do something with that. You know, you just, you know, you, you have the answer for somebody, you know, you've got something to help them with, pick up the phone and just do it. But unfortunately they haven't built in that one hour or 90 minutes of of time to look, to think, to contact the client. They're running off to the next client for the, the net to run the next payroll or to do the next closing of the book. So I think again, you got you got to stop somebody's problem crisis isn't my problem yeah nobody died because their books weren't balanced yeah payroll is different payroll is different and the payroll you do have to get done but that's why you've got things like gusto and adp and intuit and 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 patriot let them do that heavy lifting for you just be the go-between they're happy to have you do it um but you know, uh, everything else isn't critical and, and somebody else's crisis isn't my reason to have to stress my day out. You can, you don't try to be everything to everybody and don't take everybody that walks to the damn door. 
Yeah, that's a good point. You know, uh, there are certain things in this world you never want done fast and ineffectively. Typically, when it's done fast, it's ineffective. So, I mean, you just uh, just don't you don't have to do that. You don't have to be blunt guns a blaring coming out of this and become yeah the best thing that ever happened on Twitter, Facebook, LinkedIn, and everything. We're great. We're awesome. You know. I don't know. I guess I just I, I just think that slow and steady wins the race. And, yeah, uh, and, and, and and look after those clients that you know where you can add value. Yeah, you can add value because you know something? There's a lot more to adding value than just the hourly billing you're going to do. Your employees are going to be more comfortable and happier because they're not going to be as stressed. You're not going to be as stressed. Your and life is easier. So I, I, I want to go back to the three tiers of pricing and, and, and just sort of share with the listeners one of my examples. Okay. And, and I must admit, I, I, I've helped firms develop these tiers of pricing and, and some very successfully, others not so. But, but one example was we were trying to build out the value and, and differentiate between sort of the silver and the gold package. Um, and, and what we thought is just more meetings and, and sort of, Instead of quarterly meetings, we move to monthly meetings. We move to weekly reporting, and and these were different things. Oh, that, heck. But, oh no! And at the end of the day, we were just creating more work for ourselves. Um, uh-huh. <laughs> and and particularly the monthly meetings, uh, some of the cl- some of the clients were coming back, and I've done it on, as well with firms where we've done monthly coaching. You sort of get to a point where you're like, do we have anything to talk about? No. Is there any, and, and you feel as though you're forcing yourself to have these conversations, forcing yourselves to find things. Um, and so what we did is we scaled it back. So rather than monthly meetings for every gold client, it was it was basically a, a quarterly catch-up meeting, uh, but we'd built in that space to actually look at the book. Internally, we looked at the books each month. And then if we actually had anything to raise with the client, we sent them a we sent them a one pager at the end of each month on like an executive summary. Um, everything's green. It, it's a okay. But if there's a couple of orange indicators, we may want to look at those in a couple of months and just see what the trend is. So we really scaled back that side of the business because that wasn't actually where we were adding value. Um, we thought face-to-face and, and meetings was where the value was added, but it was actually the, the headspace to look at things, to get something over to the client and then catch up on it on a quarterly basis, or alternatively, if it was in the red, then we'd give them a call and say, look, we've seen this, this trend has been going on for three months, let's get some time uh, in the calendar, um, because it's it's something we've got to discuss. Yeah, you don't have to knock a grand slam out of the park every single month with the client. You don't. Yeah, and whereas I think... I think that's what we thought that we needed to do. We needed to be demonstrating value every month. But back to the point, sometimes it's a five-minute conversation or a five-minute look at the books, or, or sometimes it's a 90-minute. But again, we may not factor the meeting in, but make sure we factor the, the space and the time built into the fixed price to get okay. in and have a look at those books. And, and also that time, if you have team members, if you're working in a, in a, in a situation where you have bookkeeper, reviewers, uh, CPA doing a tax return and you're all working together and, and the technology and all of that is going factor in, you know, five to 10 minutes of that group's hourly va- valuable time into that flat rate too. Um, yeah. You know, administrative times. 
that has to be factored in because if you if you do it too lean, um, you're not you're not going to you're not you're doing yourself a disservice, doing the client a disservice too because you're always going to be rushed on getting this stuff done, and 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 you know I I, I know it's being done because I've seen enough uh, uh, accounting files that have come across our desk where it's like. You say you're doing this monthly, but this hasn't really been reconciled for nine months. Uh, you know, um, yeah, so it's, it's somewhat disingenuous. What were they really paying you for? And, and I think it's more important from a client relationship and trust building is to deliver on what you promised, get that down pat embedded, and then you I can look this. for the opportunities to add value. Delivering on what you promised, under promise and over deliver always always so i think my, my only comment about the t i sorry i keep going back to the tears i think they have a place i think they've got a place on the yeah. website to help clients better understand what it is you do where yeah. you can add value and and the tasks and responsibilities and duties that you can take on um it's but a I loss think- leader. yeah it's a loss leader gets their foot in the door it's a good way to get started small businesses We'll start with you and you know any one of those could could grow it's happened to me with two of them this year well in 2020 that both signed up at the same time in 2020 small startups that you know just went bonkers uh and so i mean there's nothing wrong with it they all they always start at that lowest rate and then as they grow because we're in it every month we can show their growth we justify our uprated pricing, and then there's the value added on top of it. When they they send you a text message, go, when do you have time to talk? Yeah, and they know every time they do that, I'm going to bill them. Not every time, you know. I mean, they know they know there's the potential. They know in the back of their head what they're asking me to do. But, but also, but also, you're having the conversation with them about here are the potential solutions. Would you like a, how how would you like to proceed? So you, oh, you're always, yeah. you're setting the expectations that that where, where would today, you... as soon as we get off this call, I just saw something that I know the client is in need of. He's mentioned it a few times. I've kept it in the back of my mind. I just saw the solution for it. And I'll send him a little message about it. And do you want to discuss? Should we get together to discuss? Yeah, I, I saw something, thought of you. Should we get together to discuss? And actually, that I mean, from a, a client service perspective, what what more is there a more powerful message to get from your advisor, to get from your accountant or bookkeeper that's, hey, Penny, I saw this, thought of you. I think it might be able to help solve X. Should we get together to chat? What what bad can come from that? Um, yeah. as, <laughs> I, I guess as long as it, just 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 be ready. Make sure you do send the invoice, or or that conversation might be free. But the the as a part of the relationship, the solution ain't. Yeah, implementing the solution is not absolutely right. Penny, I, I think I think it's worthwhile. We don't typically recap episodes, but I think there's a couple of things in this one that have been important. A couple of things that stood out for me is you have to decide on on what you want to be when you grow up because you can't be everything to everybody. You, you just don't have the capacity, the mental space to try and be this CFO, outsource CFO, fractional CFO to every single one of your clients if, if you're going for a large traditional accounting firm, can you? 
not unless you have a division that is just doing that and they have all that back support of a larger firm that's funneling them the information. Yeah. And, you know, the CFO stuff work really does take a lot of, it takes a lot of energy. It takes a lot of mental energy. It takes a lot of emotional energy. Um, and uh, so even at the fractional level, um, it's, it's, it's more of a fewer clients, but higher value. Yeah. Uh, so it is, it's a, it's and whereas, you know, that, the the write up the, the AP work, um, more clients, but incrementally less value per client. Yeah. And, and, and again, just be very clear, crystal clear about your business model. Um, not to say one model's right or wrong, but you, you can't have a, a foot in both camps unless without the right support um, and infrastructure in place to, to deliver on that because yeah. the last thing you want to and, do and is... Then, and then keeping that support and infrastructure also takes energy and yeah. time yeah. and keeping that in alignment. So be prepared to do that, uh, that, you know, your role could change over time. Yeah. Your role could go from being that uh, value-added CFO, professional CFO, or tax advisor to your clients. And, and in the back of your mind, as you grow, you need to make sure that you're training somebody and mentoring somebody so that you can delegate some of that because or delegate the part of managing the people that are supporting you. So you've always got to be giving yourself additional time to learn when to delegate and learn who to delegate it to. Uh, so, you know, there's only so much any human being can do. Yeah. Uh, and everybody, everybody eventually needs, if you, if you're good at what you do, just like your businesses, if you're good at helping them grow, they're going to grow they're, and they're going to need additional people. They're going to need to grow. They're going to need to grow their company either through technology or human being effort. You know, um, one of these things has to grow. One of these things has to change. Your role may change. So always be open to when it is you've reached your max and when you need to have somebody else to do some of this work. Um, and Penny, I think that's a really good um, place to leave today's episode. Um, folks, I, I, we're not pricing experts by any means, but we've made enough mistakes along the way and we've learned we've learned we've learned enough along the way. So we hope that this has been helpful um, uh, as, as you're approaching your pricing, as you as you're thinking about how do you price your services uh, and and also the types of services that you provide. Um, satbc.co is the website. Penny, did you have anything else you wanted to add? I just wasn't sure. No, I'm going to take my dogs out to the dog park right now. <laughs> Fantastic. So satbc.co is the website. Um, would love a review if you're enjoying listening to, to Penny and I wax lyrical about, uh, about the world of accounting and, and the exciting opportunities that are available and, and some, <laughs> some of the, the, uh, the mistakes we've made along the way, leave us a review, leave us a comment and, and feel free to reach out to us on LinkedIn with any questions or scenarios you'd like us to talk through. And, um, and as you can tell, Penny and I do a lot of work with firms, helping them through exactly this. So reach out to us on LinkedIn and, and we can, um, no such thing as a quick question, but we'll certainly be happy to, to spend a bit of time with you to learn a little bit more about your firm, some of the challenges you're up against and, and hopefully uh, propose a, a way forward. So Penny, have a wonderful afternoon. Enjoy the dog park and we'll talk soon. All right. Have fun, Damien. Bye-bye.